0: So this topic here I've entitled, An Ancient Prophecy Reveals the Future of the World. So um, those who are watching on DVD, a big welcome to you. I pray that you'll be really, really blessed. Um, Right from the outset, I'm going to share with you that this prophecy has brought more people from atheism and agnosticism and whatever other ism that doesn't put their faith and trust in God and His Word to a point of putting their faith and trust in God and His Word, this prophecy has done more to turn people from one end to the Scriptures and to God than any other prophecy in the whole Bible. This is kind of the golden prophecy, the diamond prophecy of them all. And you'll see this afternoon why that is so. It's fascinating. An ancient prophecy reveals the future of the world. We're going to take a look at how God predicted the rise and fall of nations for two and a half thousand years in advance. You may be thinking two and a half thousand years in advance. Predicting the future is not easy. Absolutely not. Imagine you could predict the future. You'd be a multimillionaire, wouldn't you? In the space of a, of a couple of hours. Imagine. You could bet on the right horses and so on and so forth. Not that... You probably do that. (laughs) Let me share with you some predictions. To share with you how predicting the future is not easy. It doesn't matter what he does, he will never amount to anything. That's what Albert Einstein's teacher said about him. This telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered. As a means of communication, this device is inherently of no value to us. That statement was made back in 1876. Here's another one. The horse is here to stay. The automobile is only a fad. (laughs) How many of you came here by horse and cart? (laughs) That was back in 1903. That was advice given to Henry Ford from Horace Rackham, president of Michigan Savings Bank. I love this one. Television won't last because people will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. I mean, who is interested in television? Please, it's not going to take off. It's going to be a flop. Daryl Zanuck, 20th Century Fox, back in 1946. All right, let's get closer to today. This is um, something that Thomas Watson... Chairman of IBM in 1943 said about computers, I think there is a world market for maybe five computers. (laughs) Each house. Each house. No, he wasn't talking about it. He was talking about the world. Many of us have a computer in our pockets. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. Or on our wrists. Um, Check this out. There is no reason anyone will want a computer in their home. (laughs) That was Ken Olson, President, Chairman and Founder of Digital Equipment Corporation back in 1977. Well, back then computers, computers were larger than this room, isn't that right? Not so today. Predicting the future is not an easy thing, is it? Not an easy thing indeed. Today we want to go to the book of Daniel. We want to go to the book of Daniel where God, through his servant Daniel, wrote down an incredible dream that an ancient king by the king of Nebuchadnezzar had. Before we get to that dream, we're going to discover that God here reveals the future in an amazing way, pulls back the curtain of history in advance to enable us to see through the corridors of history what would take place in the coming days. But as always, before we go to this amazing prophecy, what do we need to do? We need to pray. Very good, Sandra, top of the class. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much for your word. We have been blessed thus far and we ask and pray that that blessing will continue this afternoon as we we plunge into this most amazing Bible prophecy that you gave some two and a half thousand years ago. So bless our time in your word as we open it. Give us understanding, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Notice what God says. He puts his reputation on the line. Through these words in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9, God says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the what? The end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God here puts his reputation on the line. What does he put on the line? his reputation. God claims that he has the ability to predict the future, to claim that is something that is beyond our capacity as human beings. Isn't that right? Absolutely. So today we want to find out whether God's reputation is still intact. God puts his reputation on the line. We're going to test his reputation this afternoon. You will be the judge and you will be the jury. Now, before we move into that prophecy, let's ask that all important question that we asked and answered um, a couple of sessions ago. What is the all important purpose of Bible prophecy? Can someone remember what's the all important purpose of Bible prophecy? Is it to simply simply give us more things to know and simply to feed our curiosity? Or is there a greater purpose? And that greater purpose is found in the words of Jesus in John 14, 29, where Jesus said, and now I have told you before it, what? Comes that when it does come to pass, you may what? Believe. Believe. The all important purpose of Bible prophecy is not for you and I to have more knowledge, to have more information, to have our curiosity fed, but it's that you and I may have Faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that we may believe in him because as we have pointed out and you know full well, as human beings by nature, we are what? We are skeptical, isn't that right? We're skeptical, we're cynical, and we don't trust. I mean, we just don't trust anyone. I mean, that's why we we we, we lock our cars, we lock our homes. Why? Because we don't trust. There's people out there that you just don't trust. Isn't that true? That's exactly right. So, because we are like that, Jesus said, "I am giving you solid evidence, so that when you see these things come to pass, you may believe." And by believing, John three sixteen tells us, "In Christ, we will pass from death into what? Everlasting life." So, let's go to the ancient city of Babylon today, located there in the modern in the in the country of Iraq. Um, not a place that I'd encourage you to go visit. Um, We all know Iraq full well, the ancient city of Babylon, about 80, 90 kilometers south of uh, Baghdad, the capital. And our story comes from Daniel chapter 2, written two and a half thousand years ago. How many years ago? Two and a half thousand years ago. That's a long, long time. The story there in Daniel chapter 2, you can go home and read it. We don't have time to go through the whole story this afternoon. There's just too much in there. I normally do this presentation in two hours. Today we've got like 40 minutes. And in this story, we find that King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He was the the ruler of ancient Babylon. In fact, he was the architect behind this most incredible city. He had a dream one night, but he couldn't remember what his dream was. So he called in his, his wise men. He called in his cabinet, if you want to put it in today's language asking them to reveal to him what he dreamed and ultimately what the dream meant, but obviously they couldn't. Ultimately, Daniel was brought in and Daniel said to the king, I cannot tell you what you dreamed or what your dream means, but I can go to the one who knows and who might that be? God. I will go to God. And so that's what Daniel did. He went with his three friends and they prayed to God, asking for God to reveal to them what the king dreamed And what that dream meant. And the Bible says God revealed the secret to Daniel. And so Daniel comes before the king. You can read it there in Daniel chapter 2. It's a wonderful story. I'd encourage you to do that. Like I said, we don't have time to go through the whole story and read it today. But Daniel comes before the king. And this is what he says to the king. In Daniel 2 verse 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king, but there is a what? A God in heaven who reveals what? Secrets. And he has revealed to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. In other words, what Daniel was saying to the most powerful man in the then known world, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was saying that God has revealed to you, O king, what will be from your day all the way through to the latter days or the last days of Earth's history. So are you ready for this? Are you ready to find out what God revealed to King Nebuchadnezzar? Yes. Have you got your seatbelts on? Yes. Some, of, some of you haven't. You're going to fall out. You're going to fall out. Let's take a look at what God promises. Amos 3, 7, surely the Lord God does how much? Nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants the prophets. I shared this in the last presentation, I'll share it again. Nothing of eternal significance. What did I say? Eternal what? Significance. Significance. God would not reveal to you and I. Everything, everything that is of eternal significance, God reveals to you and I in his word, the scriptures through his servants the prophets God is not in the business of playing hide and seek with us God is not in the business of keeping things secret that are, that are of eternal significance there are some things that God says they are not for you and I to know can you think of one the time of the what of the coming of Jesus that's not in our best interest to know that that's why God has said no that's not for you to know Just like a parent says to their child, there are some things you can know and there are some things, well, you can't. can't. But why, say the children. And we say, well, I can't answer that. I'm sorry. (laughs) And so God reveals to us his all important messages concerning our eternal well-being. So let's go to this dream. This is what the king saw. This is what Daniel says to the king. You, O king, were watching and behold a great image. This great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms were of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. Now the king has seen in a dream something that he's very familiar with. You see, in the pagan world, in the time of Nebuchadnezzar, images were commonplace. They worshipped images, statues, So God is relaying to King Nebuchadnezzar in the language that he understands. He goes on. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the what? Dream. I can just imagine, Sandra. Cliff. Neil. The king is on the edge of his seat. That throne room seat. He's on the edge like you and I are on the edge and he's like, yes, 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 Daniel. That is exactly what I dreamed. But what does it mean? (laughs) Does God leave Daniel hanging? Or do you think God took the next step and revealed to Daniel what the dream meant? Notice what we read next. Now we, who are the we? Who is there with Daniel? No one but God himself. Daniel is saying, now we, God through me, will tell the interpretation of it before the king. So are you Ready? you got your seatbelt still on? Very good. Let's go. He begins with these words, the interpretation. Here we go. Daniel 2 verse 37 and 38. You, O king, are a king of what? Kings. You are this head of gold. So Daniel begins by sharing with King Nebuchadnezzar that you are this head of gold. Your kingdom of Babylon is represented by the head of gold. Now, why the head of gold? Why gold? We're going to get to that in just a moment, but you have a look here. Uh, Babylon ruled the then known world from 605 to 539 BC. This is the area that um, the kingdom of Babylon ruled and reigned over there in the Middle East. Now gold, the head of gold. Why gold? That's because Babylon was saturated with gold. One historian wrote there was more gold than dust. More gold than dust. In fact, Babylon is considered by many historians to be the greatest city that was ever built in the history of humanity. This was a phenomenal city. Gold everywhere. I'm telling you, tons and tons and tons of gold. It was a magnificent city. Magnificent city. On every brick in the city, is the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar as the one who built this great city. And you can read about his boasting in Daniel chapter 4. I Nebuchadnezzar have built this great city. And also they have found from Nebuchadnezzar written in stone. Thank goodness they didn't write on paper back then, eh? Or or even better still, they didn't write on their computers. Amen. Otherwise, we wouldn't have anything today. But they wrote on stone. And so we have it today. The words of King Nebuchadnezzar, may it last for how long? Forever. And if you read in Daniel chapter 3, the very next chapter, King Nebuchadnezzar builds an image 30 meters high. And the Bible says it's all of gold. All of gold. Nebuchadnezzar is telling God, I've got news for you. You think I'm only the head? No, 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 no. My kingdom is not only going to be the head of gold. My kingdom is going to be gold from top to toe. But God says, I've got news for you, Nebuchadnezzar. Notice what God said to Nebuchadnezzar. 150 years before Nebuchadnezzar came onto the scene of history, God predicted this regarding Babylon. Jeremiah 51, 37, Babylon shall become a heap, a dwelling place for jackals, an astonishment without an inhabitant. What? Babylon would one day be deserted. That's like saying Sydney will one day be deserted, Cliff. What would people think of you? Not much. (laughs) They'll be like, where are you from? Where are you from? You better go there. (laughs) This was just mind-boggling 150 years. This This is written during the heyday of Babylon. But it's true. You go to Babylon today, no one lives there. No one lives there. The dream continues. The interpretation goes along with it in Daniel 2.39. But after you, after your kingdom, shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours. Just like silver silver is inferior to gold, so too this kingdom would be inferior. So what was the next kingdom? It was the Medo-Persian kingdom that followed the kingdom of Babylon that ruled from 539 to 331 B.C., And this is the vast area, the Medes and the Persians, or the Persian Empire as it became known, um, ruled. The book of Daniel in chapter 5 describes a wild party. King Belshazzar, who was the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar, was having a party, a huge party, the Bible says, for a thousand of his lords. They were just getting drunk, having a great old time, whilst the Medes and the Persians were camped outside the city of Babylon ready to take it. But why worry when you've got a city that has walls that are 10 meters thick and not just one lot of walls, but three lots of walls. So there's 30 meters of wall between you and the army, 30 to 50 meters high. Who's going to worry? <laughs> so while the army is camped outside, and by the way, I didn't mention that. Thank you for reminding me. There was a river, the river Euphrates, running through the middle of Babylon. Constant water supply. They had food for about 60 to 80 years. And back in the ancient world, the way you often won a war, the way you often conquered another city, was by simply starving the people to death. And they've got to give up, or they just capitulate, and, um, and, and you take over. But not so Babylon. This was a Titanic. Ha! Who's going to sink the Titanic? No one. But that evening, you've heard the words, the writings on the wall? This is where it comes from. This chapter in the Bible. These words appeared. Mene, mene, tekel, a written by a hand. By a mysterious hand on the wall. And the party came to a standstill. Talk about being a party pooper. I'm telling you. It came to a standstill. What do those words mean? Mene. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Daniel came in. The wise men couldn't discern. They couldn't decipher the the writing on the wall. But Daniel came in and God told him what the message was. And that night, that night, Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians. I don't have time to get into the story. It's an amazing story indeed. During the reign of the Medo-Persian Empire, all taxes had to be paid in silver. Consequently, the kings of this second empire grew extremely wealthy in what? Silver. Once again, God chooses the right metal to describe the next kingdom. Isn't that incredible? I've been to the British Museum. You go to the British Museum there and there is the, the Persian exhibit. And guess what you find? Silver. Silver. Everywhere. Well, history marches on. And the dream and its interpretation continues Daniel two thirty nine. then another a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over all the earth bronze who was the next kingdom to rule the then known world it was Greece 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 ruled the then known world from 331 to 168 BC this vast empire conquered by none other than who Alexander the Great have you heard of Alexander the Great by the way he was the son of King Philip of Macedonia and I'm Macedonian, that's my background. So guess what, I'd like to park myself here and tell you about Alexander the Great for the next 20 minutes, but we don't have time, do we, Neil? So we better press on. <laughs> and Alexander the Great defeated the Persian King Darius III at the Battle of Arbil in 331 BC at the age of 23. And in 10 years, in how many years? In 10 years, not with F-18s, not with, not with anything that we have at our, at our disposal today. In 10 years, he conquered the then known world. Phenomenal. He's considered to be the greatest general that the world has ever seen. The greatest general. It's interesting, if you take a look at um, Alexander's army, they have often been referred to as the brazen-coated Greeks. How many of you have heard that term? The brazen-coated Greeks. That's what they're often referred to. The Greeks were, noticed. the Greeks were expert in molding bronze, The soldiers wore breastplates of bronze, helmets of bronze, carried shields of bronze, and used bronze swords. Ha! What did God say this kingdom would be represented by? The belly and the thighs of what? Bronze. Is that another lucky guess? I don't think so. Okay, you can get Babylon, gold. That was pretty straightforward. Medo-Persia, maybe, but not like 200 years down the road. Notice these words from a historian. I am persuaded that there was no nation, city, nor people where his name did not reach. That is Alexander the Great. There seems to me, this is a historian writing, there seems to me to be somewhat divine hand presiding over both his birth and his actions. Sadly, he died 10 years after he conquered the world. He died at the age of 33. Very, very sad. Very, very sad. But history moves on, marches on. Notice what God said would happen next. Daniel 2 verse 48, and there shall be a what? A fourth kingdom that shall be as strong as what? Iron. Iron. Who was to follow Greece? It was Rome. Rome. Have a look at the legs of iron that represent Rome. Rome ruled for almost 600 years. An even uh, larger part, of the then known world was the Roman Empire. Rome was brutal, absolutely brutal, rightly portrayed by those legs of iron. What does iron do? Iron crushes everything in its its way. Isn't that true? And the, the Romans were just brutal. They were just absolutely brutal. Either you submitted or you were beaten up. There were no third options. Either you submitted to the rule of Rome or you were beaten up and that was it. One historian wrote, Edward Gibbon, the famous Edward Gibbon, who who wrote the, the epic The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, he wrote these words, to resist was fatal and it was impossible to fly. That's how he described the mighty Roman Empire. Crucifixion was a favorite form of punishment by the Romans. They didn't invent it, but they used it They used it for the worst of the worst criminals. If you're a Roman citizen, you couldn't be put on a cross. Only non-Roman citizens could be put on a cross. In fact, crucifixion, uh, the Latin word is excruciates or, or ex being out of the cross. So the word in English, excruciating, when you're going through excruciating pain, It comes from this term associated with the cross and it was excruciating pain. Well, who was to follow next? We've got Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece and Rome. Who was to be the fifth empire? Are you ready for the fifth empire? Daniel goes on. Daniel 2 verse 41, Whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom, that is the Roman kingdom, shall be what? divided. There will not be a fifth empire. Wow. If you were predicting the future, you would probably, and I would predict what? A fifth empire, a sixth empire, a seventh empire, and so on and so forth. But God says, no, there's going to be four and then the Roman empire will be divided. Now, did that actually take place? Let's find out whether we now live in a divided Roman empire that we today know as divided Europe. From 476 AD, when Rome fell, the city of Rome fell, till the present, this empire has been in a divided state. Notice what God said. He goes on and he gives even more specific detail. That's why I love this prophecy. Thanks, Neil, for prompting me to share it. God gets even more specific. Notice. And as the toes of the feet were partly of vine and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be what? Partly strong and partly fragile. This kingdom was indeed partly strong and partly fragile. Neil will go through with you in an incredible prophecy in the book of Daniel, where God said there would be three kingdoms that would be uprooted. Eventually, eventually, ten kingdoms were formed. How many toes? 10. There were 10 kingdoms that were eventually formed, but three of those were uprooted. There's a reason why, and Neil will explain that as we, as we progress in the seminar. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not cleave one to another, just as iron does not mix with clay. Fascinating. God gets even more specific. Those words there They will mingle with the seed of man. Now that's old English for saying they will seek to intermarry. They will seek to intermarry in order to try and bring the Roman Empire back together again as one empire, as one kingdom. Do we have evidence of intermarriage in Europe? Absolutely. You go to Fredericksburg Castle there in Denmark, and there is this massive painting on the wall in this castle. And this painting this family, describes the family tree of Queen Victoria of England and King Christian of Denmark, which clearly demonstrates the European monarchies. You see, before World War I, all of the royal families of Europe were pretty much all interrelated. You see, in the ancient world, If you wanted to to form an alliance with another nation, with another king, guess what you would do? You'd give your son to marry his daughter or her daughter. That's just simply what you did. Or if you wanted to build bridges, mend the bridges, you would exchange sons and daughters. Before World War I, Europe, the monarchies of Europe, they were all like this, they were all together. Today, we don't have many monarchies in Europe. There are a few still that obviously still still remain, but the majority have have gone by the way. They will mingle with the seed of man. They will intermarry, God said, in order to form that one all-important alliance of creating a new empire. But seven of the most powerful words that you will read in the Bible, they will not walk. Cleave one to another. What does it mean to cleave? To cleave means to join, to be at one. At the beginning, God said, the man will leave his mother and father and the woman, she will leave her mother and father and they will cleave one to another and become how many flesh? One flesh. The aim was for these divided, this divided empire that was now a number of nations to become one once again, but God said it would not happen. Rome has often been referred to by historians as history's Humpty Dumpty. Why is it history's Humpty Dumpty? That's because all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put the mighty Roman Empire together again. Many have tried, many have tried down through the centuries for the last 1500 years, many have tried to put the Roman Empire back together again. Charlemagne in the 8th century did his utmost to try and reunite Europe as one empire. He failed. Charles V in the 16th century, he tried and he failed. One of the major reasons was the Reformation that broke out during the 16th century. Then we have the famous Louis XIV. He ruled and reigned longer than any other monarch in Europe. 72 years he reigned, and he did his utmost to try and bring Europe back together again as one empire, but he also failed. Then we have Napoleon. Have you heard of Napoleon? He came along in the 18th and 19th century, and he did his utmost to unite Europe. Notice what we find in Napoleon's journal, written by Napoleon himself, there will be how many Europe's? One Europe, there will be how many currencies? One currency, how many languages? One language, there will be one government over all of Europe. As far as Napoleon was concerned, I will ensure that there is one government that rules and reigns over all of Europe. He had aspirations. Then came the Kaiser, because Napoleon failed. Came the Kaiser, Wilhelm II, and he he was... Instrumental in plunging the world into World War I. He had aspirations of Germany ruling in Europe. But one individual came to him on one occasion and said, Daniel the prophet says that Europe will never be united. Imagine saying this to the Kaiser. Daniel the prophet says that Europe will never be reunited. And you, know, you, know, you want to know what the Kaiser's response was? Daniel's prediction does not fit my plans. <laughs> Daniel's prediction does not fit my plans. How serious was he about this? Well, if you go to... Northern France, there in northern France, you'll come across this beautiful cathedral there in the city of Metz. Um, it's a magnificent cathedral. Now, during the time of the Kaiser, Kaiser Wilhelm, uh, the folk there um, at this incredible, incredibly beautiful cathedral, as you can see from that picture, they had a problem. They had a leaking roof. They had a leaking iron roof. This beautiful church that was surrounded by a number of the prophets, okay, statues, prophets of the Bible. And so the Kaiser heard about their problem and he said, look, guys, I have a solution for your leaking roof. They said, really? What is it? He said, look, I'll tell you what, I will give you a brand new roof. They're like, really? A brand new roof? Yeah, absolutely. A brand new iron roof, free of charge. Really? Really? (laughs) on one condition what's the condition Kaiser well the condition is that I want you to take the head off one of the statutes Daniel the prophet and there was a statue there Daniel the prophet I want you to take his head off and I want you to put my head up there why because I intend I intend to break the prophecy that Daniel gave some two and a half thousand years ago. And guess what happened? They did that. They did that. They took the head of Daniel the prophet, the statue. They took it off and they put the Kaiser, not his real head obviously, but <laughs> there is the agreement. You can go there today, signed by the, by the church and signed by the Kaiser. They got a new roof. I guess what happened to the Kaiser? He didn't survive very well. And then came along Adolf Hitler. And where the Kaiser failed, Adolf Hitler said, I will succeed. I will succeed. And by the way, Adolf Hitler said, put Daniel's head back on him. Take the Kaiser's head off because the prophecy still remains. But Adolf Hitler he had huge aspirations that he was going to succeed where everybody else, including the Kaiser, had failed. You all know that, don't you? Hitler, his ambition was Germany to rule the world. It was the Third Reich. You know about the Third Reich, some of you? Germany to rule the world for how long? For 1,000 years. For 1,000 years, Europe and potentially the world. But he too was defeated. So there you have, there you have a list. Charlemagne, Charles V, Louis XIV, Napoleon, Kaiser, Hitler, all defeated and many others that we haven't had time to look at this afternoon. All wanted desperately to break the prophecy that God said they will mingle with one another. They will do all they possibly can, but just like iron doesn't mix with clay. Have you noticed? Iron doesn't mix with clay. So too, Europe will never be united again as one empire. Notice these words from Charles Downer, Hazen, in modern European history. Europe has always refused to be dominated by a single nation or a single man. It has run the risk, what, several times in its history, as we've just discovered, of passing under such a yoke. But it always, in the end, succeeded in doing what? Escaping it. How? They're mystified. Historians are mystified. I'm not because God said they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not cleave one to another, just as iron does not mix with clay. Whatever God says, my friends, you can take it to the bank. You can take it to the bank. So, where is Europe today? Where is Europe today as we sit here where is Europe today Have you heard of the have you heard of aspirations to unite Europe Anyone heard of the European Union lately Well if you haven't you've been living under a rock <laughs> Here is the European Union flag some 28 countries well now it's 27 Many voices how many people one people that's the cry of the European Union and by the way The European Union was formed after World War II. Guess what? They're at it again. They're at it again, just in a different way. The euro. Did Napoleon want to have one currency? Yes. Do we have many countries taking on board the euro? Euro? Yes. Are all the countries of Europe taking on board the euro? No. (laughs) Not all are willing to take it on board. Again, God is just so on the money. Excuse the pun. Notice this from Time magazine. The decline and fall of Europe. I'm telling you, when I looked at that Time magazine article, the decline and fall of Europe, I went to my Bible. I pulled out, I pulled out this dusty prophecy from 2,500 years ago and I'm reading Daniel 2 and I'm looking at the front cover of Time magazine and I'm saying, wow. <sighs> How awesome is this? I'm literally reading Bible prophecy two and a half thousand years ago, taking place before my very eyes, right in front of me. I'm telling you, I had goosebumps. If you don't have goosebumps, you're not alive. Someone needs to check your pulse. (laughs) Someone needs to check your pulse. Isn't this awesome? Absolutely awesome. The end of Europe. Wow, there you go. It's unraveling. Unraveling. Do I need to explain that image? Ladies, you that knit, I think you know full well what's going on. <coughs> Brexit. Have you heard of Brexit? Unthinkable. Unthinkable only a few years ago, but it happened. It caught the world by surprise. Isn't that right? It caught the world by surprise back in 2016 then we have this front cover the fall of what europe and notice this subtitle why brexit is just the what the beginning what did god say here i am again here i am again in my bible (laughs) five years later reading the prophecy getting goosebumps saying wow god what did you say I am God and there is no other. Declaring the end from the what? The beginning. What God said two and a half thousand years ago still stands. It sounds to me like God's reputation is still intact. Whilst the nations are in tatters. Isn't that true? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to bust a blood vessel soon. I'm getting a bit too excited. (laughs) The prophecy goes on. Have a look at these words. It gets more exciting. This is just like, can you see the crescendo? We've been just like upping it and upping it and upping it and up. That's why I said you needed to have your seatbelts on. Some of you are doing okay. Daniel 2.44, and in the days of these kings, okay, in the time when they're going to be trying to reunite Europe, that's the day that you and I are living in. You're watching that. You've just seen that. On the front cover of Time magazine, you know that in the days, oh, where are we here? In the days of these kings, the God of heaven, who? The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand for how long? (laughs) Daniel says in the days when they're trying to reunite Europe, in the days when they're trying to bring about a one world government, which we're going to look at later on. The Bible talks about that. Have you heard of the new world order? One world government? It's coming. Okay, that's, Another subject for another day. But in the days when they're seeking to not only reunite Europe, but in the days when they're seeking to reunite the whole world, in that day, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will last for how long? Forever. Forever. And Revelation describes to us the kind of kingdom that God will establish. Are you ready for this? This is so awesome. Revelation 21 verse 4, and God will wipe away most of the tears. No, No, what does it say? God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things that passed away. How awesome is that? No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. That's the kingdom that God is going to establish Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make most things new. No, all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Now let me ask you, can you trust what we have just read here? Absolutely. Why? Because the God who wrote these words is the God who has a track record that can be trusted. We have just seen that. We have seen that the God who wrote the words in the book of Daniel is the same God that wrote these words, and that God can be trusted. He has the record to prove it. You and I don't need to doubt, for these words are indeed true and faithful. And notice how Daniel finishes off. He shares with the king, the dream is what? Certain and its interpretation is sure. Words written two and a half thousand years ago. Is the dream certain? Has the dream's interpretation been right on the money? You be the judge, you be the jury. If this prophecy does not bring you to a point of putting your faith and trust and confidence in God's word, there is nothing else that God can do that will help you to believe. Nothing else. This is, this, is, this is as good as God can give in order to help you and I do what? Believe. When you see all these things come to pass, what did Jesus say, Cliff? You may believe. You may believe. And by believing, you will have eternal life. That rock, that rock represents the second coming of Jesus. The Bible tells us first Corinthians that that rock was Jesus Christ the rock is none other than Jesus Christ that rock is about to come and strike this image strike this world the very foundation where we are crumbling and you may be thinking whereabouts are we I truly believe that we are now living in the time of the toenails we're right there in the time of the toenails and we've already looked at that in the last three presentations And that tells us that the coming of Jesus is very, very near. I'm so looking forward to that day when Jesus comes and he ushers in his everlasting kingdom of love, peace, joy and happiness and no more death. No more death. The greatest enemy of the human race is death and there will be no more death. So how close are we? I believe we're very close. Like I said, I really do believe we are living at the end of the toenails of the image of Daniel chapter 2. We're right there at the end. How close? I don't know. Only God knows. That's his business. But what I do know is that I have an opportunity to share the good news that the sorrow, the suffering and the sadness is coming to an end. Death, destruction and disease is about to have its final say. Because God is about to usher in a new world, a new world where there will be no more suffering, no more pain and no more sorrow. I want to finish off with this scripture where God says in Jeremiah 29:11, these are the words of God himself. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of what? Peace and not of evil to give you what? A future and a hope. Why have I called this series Discover Hope? Finding peace in uncertain times. It's because God himself has said, I will give you a future. I will give you hope. Put your faith and trust in me. I don't want evil for you. I only want what's good for you. Give your heart and life to me and you can sleep well at night knowing that one of these days You're going to spend eternity with me and all the redeemed in a world that will be like you and I cannot even begin to imagine today. A world of joy and happiness and peace. Are you looking forward to being part of that world? I am. Jesus is inviting you and I. No reason why any of us need to miss out. There's no cost involved. There's no charge. It's free. Free. All we need to do Is simply say, Yes, I will receive that gift. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you so much for your awesome word. Wow, today we have literally seen two and a half thousand years of history opened before us. Father, in a way that no human pen could describe if it was an invention. Of man father today we have seen that this world is fast coming to an end that this world is on the brink of seeing the coming of Jesus father this afternoon we recognize that we can put our faith and trust alone in Jesus Christ and father this afternoon we recognize that Jesus Christ has a wonderful plan for each and every one of us to give us a future and a hope. We thank you for the blessed hope. We thank you for this awesome future that you have outlined for us in your word. We ask and pray that this will be something special, near and dear to all of us. May we not only keep it to ourselves, may we share it with those around us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.